Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. How are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, Angie. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. Oh, I'm a bit nervous. Oh, I get, I'm nervous. Well, that's why Jake and I have already had like five Negronis each. Yeah, just yeah. to get rid of we, the we nerves. Just, we yeah, need a bit of a alcohol. It's bit early for me. Oh, really? What time is it there? 6 a.m.? <laughs> oh, 11. No, it's only 11. Oh, 11 o'clock. <laughs> the pub's open at 11, don't they? Or is it yeah. 10? <laughs> So welcome uh, to It's a work day. Welcome to episode well, we had episode one last week. This is officially episode two of the business of injecting. Yeah. It which was kind of your idea. So kudos to you. Oh thank you. Well, I mean, we've been talking about the discipline of injecting, everything to do with the medical part mm-hmm. of our industry and how we inject, why we inject, but Rheology. Rheology. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we are still running businesses that provide aesthetic or cosmetic services and it feels like we've kind of dabbled in these conversations a little bit here and there but not really had fully dedicated episodes and a concerted effort to focus on the business side of what it is that we do because it is quite a nuanced industry mm-hmm, for sure and to give that maybe the listeners who aren't part of the whatsapp group etc some insight we always pitch these ideas to our sort of listener group but um it seemed to get people's attention. Yeah. People were firing questions and well, yeah. uh, Natasha kindly um, volunteered to be our first guinea pig. Victim first guinea volunteer. pig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I mean, what we're trying to do, I guess, f- for people to sort of, you know, orientate themselves as, as to how these conversations are going to uh, progress and what we're trying to achieve, we've created a bit of a community, I guess, as mm-hmm. with all the IA listeners. And it seems like we, we want to have, even though we don't have all the answers, potentially, we can have these discussions and potentially learn from each other's mistakes mistakes, our successes, the struggles that we're going through, and effectively create a community where we're sort of helping each other and propping each other up and, and learning. Yeah. Because um, I'm learning as well as we go. I mean, I've been doing this for, for 20 years and I'm still learning every week. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that, that's why we're here. That's what we're planning to do. And as, as we said, Natasha's our first, uh, first cab off the rank. We had a bit of an introductory chat last week between you and I, but uh, here we go. We've got Negronis in hand. Yes. <laughs> Natasha, why don't you introduce yourself? Because, you know, you can say it any way you like, but, you know, t- tell the listeners what you were doing and, and maybe just a short pitch on okay. what you're doing now and then we'll get into it. Okay. So, um, yep, I'm a general adult nurse. I've been in the NHS for 21 years doing nursing. Um, background, mainly sort of things like A&E, medical admissions. Then I went into sexual health and then... The last six years, I've been in general practice um, as a pra- we call it a practice nurse mm-hmm. in this country, um, and so I've been doing that for about six years, and it's been great with the children and around sort of looking after them. But probably the last year felt a little bit frustrated. What's the next thing? I've always worked in quite challenging areas, and I just felt like I was ready for the next challenge. Really, um, when I went into general practice, I guess I thought my natural path would be advanced nurse practitioner, minor illness. But in reality, it wasn't really exciting me. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, so sort of discovered aesthetics about a year ago. 
and here I am, year down the line. Right. Um, with aesthetics. <laughs> How did you discover it? Well, like, did, did you know friends who were being injected yeah. or did you know injectors? So it was almost like a few things came at once. So I think the, the first thing was I did the prescribing course and that opened up some doors to me. And mm. I think it made me think on the prescribing course, there are a couple of other aesthetic nurses um, and it just made me think about it. But then at the same time, I just became more aware of friends having treatments and how popular aesthetics was becoming. Um, so I didn't really know anyone, actually. I, I don't have any, so I didn't have any nurse or doctor friend colleagues in aesthetics at all. It was more about my friends was talking of this amazing drug called Botox <laughs> <laughs> that was doing wonderful things and making them happy. and just made me quite fascinated so I think I just played with the idea for a long time and just kept looking at it and then it just appeared to be this quite exciting industry a Mm. growing industry um, that looked really exciting and I think I just thought oh this looks really good it looks like something that I could learn so much from so I've always been quite driven always like to learn go on new courses and I think um, aesthetics definitely had that you know attraction to it without a doubt so yeah Yeah. so that's that and I guess also probably my age just because obviously I guess I've got to that age now where as well as my friends I'm also thinking do with a little bit of work maybe (laughs) a bit of (laughs) here and there so I think yeah it was just timing wise of all those different things and it all came together and it felt like a natural next step I don't know who your injector is, but you look great. <laughs> um, I was, I was going to ask Natasha, um, you discovered this this industry, you decided it was a good idea, but the motivations behind it, were you looking for a career change already? Were you potentially a bit over or disillusioned with the NHS and, and the things that you were doing in therapeutic um, nursing? Um, or was it just the excitement of, of this industry and sort of the, you know, for all of the, the good and the bad, you know, exciting and something different. If what, I can add yeah. to that, what, what effect did COVID yeah. have on that as well? Yeah. I think, um, I think all of it, I think all of those things you just mentioned, um, I'm quite lucky where I work. Um, COVID probably did, wasn't as bad in general practice as it was in the hospital environment. Um, and also I was very lucky where I work. We were very well protected. We were looked after. Um, it's a fairly small um, GP practice. We only have 6,000 patients. It's in a little country village. So we were quite protected from COVID. So mm. I do think COVID had a huge effect on me. I think it was just timing wise. Um, I just needed something. I needed the next step. Yeah. I think my children yeah. a little bit older. I needed something. And I thought to myself, I've probably got another 20 years as a nurse before retirement. Do I want to be just a practice? Well, not just a practice nurse, but a practice nurse for the next 20 years. And I thought, no, <laughs> I need something. I need something else. Um, and I guess also there was this massive attraction of owning my own business. Um, yeah. So that it's an opportunity I never thought I would have as a nurse so that was also really exciting um I'd be lying if I said the the money side of things didn't you know wasn't attractive at all I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a factor but it definitely wasn't the main factor for me um I knew I needed more than that so although money is nice and obviously I had potential to earn more money than I do as a you know as a practice nurse it wasn't the main drive yeah. I knew I had to find more than that um 
you know, much to my husband's disappointment, I'm not <laughs> driven by money. <laughs> Fair um, I came home one day and he said, I've done the figures. This is a no brainer. You've got to go into Botox. <laughs> I, I said, but I'm, but I'm not driven by money. And he was like, why? Yeah. Why aren't you driven by money? But so, um, I, you know, I, I looked into it in a lot more depth and realized there's a lot more to it than, yeah. you know, there it is you know it can be rewarding definitely 100 yeah. percent. and the more the longer i've been in it the more i realize it actually can be really rewarding i was gonna so, i know jake wanted to ask a question but let's jump in real quickly when you say you're not driven by money um money gives us freedom and so yeah. perhaps not driven by money but driven by the allure of having a job or a career that gives you flexibility you can set your own hours you're not working night shifts yeah. you're not on your feet all yeah. the time so yeah. maybe money gives you time. So you're not driven by the things you can buy, but you're potentially driven by the time that this type of career could give you for your children and for yourself, potentially. Would that and be fair? And that's what my husband said. Right. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> and he's right. And he's right. You know, and that, and that's exactly what he said. And, and that's what, yeah, time with my family, particularly, you know, going forward and, you know, potentially be able to earn more money or the same amount of money with less hours was definitely more yeah. attractive. Yeah, that's good. Um, you may not think of yourself as an inspiration, but I think you will be to our listeners. You said that you obviously were a bit worried about your age and, you know, you've been nursing for over 20 years. You don't have to tell us your exact age, but was it a big leap for you to sort of think, you know, I'm past it now, I, I can't change career? Or was that not really on your mind when you decided to get into aesthetics? No, no. So I don't mind saying my age. So I'm 45 and I felt, no, I didn't think I was too old to change careers. Definitely not. Um, I mean, even without the aesthetics, nursing is a fantastic career because there are loads of different areas you can go into. And I'm really passionate about nursing. Um, So, yeah, I I was, I've always been quite driven and quite hungry for more learning. And I think that's what the big attraction was. Yeah. I'll tell you what I asked. I know you're you're, well, you're similar to age to me and David. We're, yeah. we're 41, be 42 in November. But I've got a couple of doctor friends who are in their early 50s. So, you know, it's a bit older, but not that old. They're not anywhere no. near to retiring. But they've said to me, for example, ah, oh, this ultrasound thing, you know, I just, I'm too old to learn. And, and they've almost mentally decided it's, yeah. it's past them. Or, or, you know, just decisions like that they've sort of made on, on age rather than wanting to learn. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just interested. Yeah. And you know what? You, you're not really alone. Where There was an article that came out um, here in Australia a couple of weeks ago about this huge move of nurses leaving the public health system because of pay, pay rates, working conditions, you know, the number of nurses per patient. And they're seeing so many of those nurses here in Australia leaving to seek out careers in the aesthetics industry. So it seems to be something that's happening all around the world is yeah. nurses becoming empowered and wanting better working conditions and better lives for themselves that they can't get in the public health system. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what do you think about, do you think that the aesthetics industry at some point is going to be a, a real burden on the NHS because of that sort of mentality of nurses burnt out wanting to leave or, or is that a bit of an oversimplification? Potentially. However, I don't think it's for everyone. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, like I think there will definitely be a, a you know, attraction to some, but I don't think it's for everyone. I think it's quite also a, a niche industry. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And also as well as it being exciting, I think there's lots of changes coming in. Yeah. So, 
you know, you have to, we have to be aware of that as well. And there's, there's a side of aesthetics I absolutely love. And there's another side of it that I, I hate, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that whole, you know, it's like wild west out there and that's a bit scary. Yeah. And some, you know, I think, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but it's a bit scary in the UK yeah. at the moment. Mm. And I think, yeah. Well, speaking of scary, I know that you were quite sort of nervous about coming on. And I know that we've had a lot of high profile um, guests on this podcast who've got, you know, huge reputations globally with what they do. But I'm really excited to have you on even because, well, mainly because you're so new to this industry. And I think there's so much that we can learn and our listeners can learn from someone that's at the very much the infancy of their career. So um, I just wanted to reiterate that again, how how happy I am to have you here, because I think we're all going to take away a, a lot of a lot of learning from this. So just dialing into the, the the point where you've made this decision to, to change careers. And I can imagine I've sort of been in similar situations where you, you have to take a leap of faith and you've got all these emotions going through your mind and through your heart and, you know, worried about the decisions that you're going to make and how they're going to impact your family and how you're doing the wrong thing. So once you had made that decision, what was, the, what were the things that were going through your mind? you know, fear, feeling overwhelmed, you know, getting, you know, yeah. everyone in your family and you, and all your friends, they've got an opinion they're going to want to share with you. And sometimes it's things that you might not want to hear or you disagree with. So can you just walk us through that mental process and, and, the, and the feelings and emotions that this, that were going, going through your mind at that time? Yeah. So I think luckily I was surrounded by lots of really positive people. Yeah. So that was, that really helped. Um, so the majority of people around me were really positive um, the people that mattered really, like my husband, my close friends, um, some of my work colleagues. Um, so they actually were really, really encouraging, which I needed actually. I did need that. So some of the negative thoughts were, you know, as a nurse, people always think you're like this angel type character, which, you know, they, they're just, oh, you're such a, you know, you know, wonderful person because you look after poorly people. And then all of a sudden, you're not going to be that person looking after poorly people necessarily. Um, but actually I, I didn't really get too much negative, um, feedback at all. Not as much, but I did think I was going to without a doubt. And I think maybe some people didn't actually say it to my face, but without a doubt, people do think that people that don't understand the industry. Um, but luckily, like I said, I was, you know, lots of encouragement, particularly by the people that were really supportive. The people that were negative definitely were of a certain generation, like my mum, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she actually said to me, "You're." I remember it so clearly. She said, "You're never going to forgive you, yourself if you mess someone's face up." <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, that, like after, you know, but then I think if she said that to me twenty years ago, it probably would have like had much more of an impact. But now, being older, you just know that you know you've got to go with your gut feeling and. That's just her fear. Um, and it's the same, you know, most people are only negative because maybe they don't have the confidence to do these things and step out and branch out. So I think that comes with age, that that confidence to be able to say, no, actually, this is what I want to do. And I'm not going to worry too much about what people think. But. Yeah, that's good feedback. I remember when I sort of went full time, it was only 2017 and... I didn't have to tell anyone in hospital I, because we came to a natural break in, in my rotations and I just never went back. I didn't quit. Wow. I just didn't go back. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't really have to tell anyone in hospital, but I did have to tell obviously my wife and my parents and, you know, my wife was supportive because she, she knew how passionate I was, but my parents were like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and, and their main fear was like. money because yeah. my first child was on her way and, you know, it, it was oh. a worry. I, di- I didn't know 
what was going to happen. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what my salary would be. I don't know where I was going to work. So I totally understand that sort of trepidation and you probably planned it better than I did, to be honest. So, yeah. 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 Well, again, as you said, it's, it's so important to have a supportive partner and friends around you. And I think those people that do say negative things, a lot of the time they don't even realise they're doing it, but they're projecting their yeah. own fears, their own insecurities, their own regrets um, yeah. onto other people. And it's not, it's some, most of the time it doesn't come out of an active uh, wish to be malicious or negative. It's just the way no. the hum, human psychology works is to project those feelings of yourself onto other people. So yeah. not, not unusual at all. Did, did you have a, a, a solid written down on paper business plan or was it just a loose oh, idea no. of <laughs> I'm going to do a course and see what happens? Yeah, so like, looking back now, yeah, not at all. I mean, I've got no business sense at all. I've got a little bit more now, <laughs> only a little bit though. But yeah, no, no business plan at all. Um, like I said, my husband had been the one that was like, I've done the figures, this is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was, yeah, I think he was a little bit disillusioned on the figures, but um but yeah, no, so I didn't have a business plan. I've got a, a very basic business plan now, very basic, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I've, I made a decision that I would not take any money out of the business for two years. Mm -hmm. So um, I've kept my overheads really, really low and everything that any money that I make, I just roll back into the business, which is mainly training because my overheads are low. Yeah. I'm able to put all the money back into trading. Um and that's my plan for two years and then I'll see where I'm at in right. two years. But yeah, so my business plan is really simple. I mean, I'm quite a bit embarrassed to say it really. It's fine. <laughs> so the goal is to have, so I work, still work three days a week in the GP surgery. Right. So um, I, my plan is 10 hours a week with aesthetics mm -hmm. and on an average profit of £100 an hour. So literally, you know, a profit of a thousand pounds a week, four thousand pounds a month, and then that triples what I was earning before with just ten hours, and I do eighteen hours in GP surgery. So in my head, that was really workable. Like ten hours spread over a week was really, really workable. Yet tripled my salary, and gave me a, hopefully a really good foundation to work on, yep. and then decide where to go from there. Yeah. How long have you been working as a, you know, a, a part-time injector now? So it'll be 11 months. 11 months. 11 months. And up, so, yeah. Yeah. so far, I mean, obviously you have highs and lows and, you know, school holidays, etc. But have you hit your average? Mm -hmm. you, is what you plan to do working? Yeah. So obviously that I only actually came up with those numbers about six months ago. Yeah. Um, and... The business isn't quite there yet, but it's definitely growing. So every month it's growing without a doubt. So that I'm happy with that as long as it's growing and, you know, increasing my hours every month. And I didn't really want it to, I mean, even now I think, oh my goodness, if I suddenly got ma really, really busy, I think I would feel overwhelmed mm -hmm. because at the moment I'm still juggling another job, two children, husband, general life. So, you know, I just want everything to, to be manageable at the moment. Yeah. I don't want to be feel too overwhelmed. And I think that's a really intelligent and sensible way to go about it for a number of reasons. Number one, from a financial perspective, for you starting a new business from scratch with no patience, um, very little um, knowledge on how to run business yet. You don't know how, how successful you're going to be. Secondly, um, it still allows you to have that security blanket 
or that safety net behind you. If it doesn't work out, you've still got a foot in another camp that you can sort of transition across to if you need to. And I think the third point, and perhaps something that um, a lot of people don't think about is that a lot of the time when you're starting a new practice and this is your sole source of income, perhaps you may feel um, compelled or obligated or pressured to do things that perhaps are beyond your skill level, um, beyond your experience or your level of comfort. And you might treat people who you ordinarily would turn away because of that desperation to be commercially viable and to make sure you have an income. So I think there's a lot of benefit in taking that staged approach. What do yeah. you think, Jack? Oh, yeah, totally agree. And I think we discussed it on yeah. on our last um, episode that we did. Am I right in saying, and maybe it's different for all, all nurses in different countries, but is it easier for a, a nurse to sort of go part-time? Is that sort of fairly easy in your contract to negotiate or or not? Because certainly as a doctor, yeah, I, I, I was suppose. either there or I wasn't. I couldn't <laughs> kind of half go. Possibly... Possibly being a mum has allowed that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I've never gone back full time since having the children. Yeah, so right. it's always been part time. So it's quite common to work part time, particularly, yeah, no, even in the hospitals, it's quite common. Yeah. Um, and I'm lucky that I'm not the main, you know, breadwinner in the family. So you're right, not having that pressure to earn a certain amount every month from the aesthetics has really, really helped me focus on the important things like customer care and getting all the other things right and not going out of my comfort zone too much um, and, and practicing safely and, mm -hmm. and not feeling that pressure to say yes to everyone and yes to all the treatments so yeah, yeah you're spot on there really yeah definitely random questions my yes. voice really wet i've got my invisalign and i feel like i'm splattering oh, you're, you're a little bit lisping. more you're a little bit more thickly than normal but it's not too bad <laughs> if you can understand me i won't take them <laughs> it's out fine. it's fine okay. okay okay sorry natasha That's okay. um I, i've got okay. a question about your 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 practice because i know that you've got an interesting setup where you've got a little clinic at home and also you yeah. work in, in a local town in cheshire or near cheshire so, so, um, so now I just have my home-based clinic. Um, that was one of the things that didn't work out for me. So I did hire a room um, in a little local town in a beautician's. Mm -hmm. But for me, that didn't work. Um, it, was a, it was a number of reasons. Uh, in my head, right at the beginning, going back to a business plan, in my head, I had, right, I'm going to do one day a week. I'm going to do Mondays in aesthetics and then have a day off and then I'm going to do my three days. That doesn't work. Well, it didn't work for me because people don't just want to come on a Monday. They want to come all different days. They mm. want to come in the evening. They want to come at the weekend. So I was paying for this room on a Monday and potentially might get one client, but then I people want to come in the evenings and at weekends. So then I started doing both. I had my home clinic and I was renting the room. And then as time went on, my clients just kept saying to me, can I just come to your home clinic? I prefer coming to your home clinic. It's nice and private and it's homely and it's got a nice feel to it. I don't, and people didn't like coming into the town, interestingly, um, you know, walking out of the beauticians after having a treatment, they preferred just parking out. So we, luckily we live in quite a quiet area. So they just park up outside, come in, have the treatment, drive off. So yeah, so I just had to listen to my clients and the feedback was they preferred coming here. It was a bit of a no-brainer because obviously didn't have the, over the overheads then of hiring a room. Um, and also the biggest thing for me was I did not feel comfortable in that environment. I don't know why. It just was not. I'm so used to a clinical environment. And for me, I felt really out of my comfort zone in this mm. beautician environment. Um, 
different standards, different ideas of how you run a business. Not that we were running a business together, but just things like cleanliness and professionalism. It just didn't work for me. And that might have just been my personal experience. I might have just not had the right beautician, maybe. Um, But for me, that didn't work. Um, And I'm much happier, much more confident in my own environment. When I I go to work, I know it's how I left the room. Um, I know where everything is. I know my standards are high. And so, yeah, so for me, it's brilliant at the moment. Um, And also, obviously, having... Being at home, it's really flexible. So I can work evenings, I can work weekends, I can. But then, you know, if I have a morning clinic and then I've got the afternoon, I'm already at home, whereas packing up all my things. So I'd have to pack up all my emergency kit because I never felt confident leaving anything anywhere like that, you know. So packing everything up and that was also quite stressful. So yeah, I'm really happy at home at the moment, but I think. In the long run, there will be limitations to working from home as well, but at the moment it's working really well. Yeah, I mean, every country is different. Um, that's one of the positives about speaking to so many people around the world. But having a home clinic in Australia is probably quite rare. It is possible. Um, you know, there are oh. just certain regulations and you sort of have to, yeah. you know, prove, you know, safety and standards, etc. But how does that work in the UK? I mean, do you have to speak to the council or, or, or not? So no, so I think that might be coming, which is, that does concern me, um, you know, whether whether we don't get inspected um, unless we're CQC regulated, we don't get inspected. So um, the only, I guess the only thing is you have to have the sharp spin license. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have that. Um, and then obviously my insurance knows I work from home. But apart from that, there doesn't seem to be... Mm. Not as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, from a <laughs> so, but I think it's coming. Yeah, I think it's coming. <laughs> from a, list, a logistical perspective, you're not like where, where are you seeing these people in your home? Like, how does it work? So um, you literally come through our front door, and it's the first room, so you don't have to go into the like into the main house at all. So it's literally so it, it used to actually be my husband's office. So you just come in, and it's a separate room. Um, and so you don't have to go into any of the house, which is really convenient. I wouldn't want to w- have to walk people through the house or anything. No. So, yeah. yeah, it's quite good. It still has its limitations. So school holidays, even though, you know, you tell everyone to stay well out the way, there are limitations. There's, you know, we've, I've got a dog, so the doorbell goes and they bark. It's those sorts of things that aren't always perfect. But majority of the time it works. Yeah. Um, and the children are old enough now and they completely stay out the way. So, yeah, for me, compared to being in that other environment, it, it has worked. But the downside is I don't have a reception area. So the reality is people turn up late, people turn up early. So there's nowhere really for people to wait. So I spread my appointments out really far. So, like, for example, for a Botox appointment, I would allow an hour. Wow, okay. Which, you know, yep. probably isn't very good business wise. <laughs> um, but for me, that's okay at the moment. So yep. just... Yeah. You know, I just, I feel more comfortable that there's not someone stood outside my front door waiting to come in. That would stress me out. So I'm happy to allow an hour to allow for that time. So, yeah. And there are there are things that you can do. I was talking to to a colleague a couple of weeks ago about a similar situation, and um, there are things that you can do, such as seeking out an accreditation, like an ISO accreditation or something. I'm pretty sure you have ISO accreditation, which is like it's like a global standard of recognition. Um, and there there is oh, okay. a there is an accreditation, um, I guess, structure for each individual industry, and so. 
there is a little bit involved. It, it does cost a little bit of money. It might, I think in Australia, it might, depending on the size of your business, um, maybe, mm. you know, five to $10,000 or something like that. But effectively, and you can get consultants to help you through that process as well. And they can take you through how to get your business up to a point where you receive that international uh, standard of or recognition that you are best in, you are running your business according to your industry standards to a certain level. Um, and it's just something you can hang up on your wall. You know yourself, your peace of mind that you are delivering safe and effective yeah. treatments in, in an environment that is up to scratch. So they'll go through like your your processes, your systems, cleanliness, yeah. all those sorts of things. So that could be something if you do want to continue to operate from yeah. home, you may want to look at some sort of accreditation process to Definitely. give you another, you know, another level of protection and another and something you can hang on your wall to say, yes, yes, I'm at home, but I am adhering to international yeah. standards with what I, what I am doing. Yeah. Um, do, do you know That's anyone right. who has a home clinic in Australia? I do know. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I used to, I used to go to a, a GP office. It used to be a home and they had, mm. you know, so, I mean, it, it's not, it is not unusual. I, I think that the reality is that these things do happen. And as I said, it wasn't unusual for, for GP practices to be in homes in the middle of the street. Um, I think it's because the aesthetics industry has so much heat on it. There's so much attention. There's so much scrutiny. The media loves stories on it. because It's just it's, a perception that it's, it's a perception. unusual. Yeah. But I think that if you're doing everything the right way and if you seek out some sort of accreditation, you, you sort of put yourself in yeah. a position where you're almost beyond reproach. But I understand that it is that has a lot of upsides as well. It's not unusual in the UK, by the way. It's just unusual here in Australia. No. So carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's okay. Do, do, no, I think that sounds really good. It sounds similar to the CQC yes. inspections that we get in the GP surgery. Yes. Um, so and, and and I would welcome there being an aesthetics yes. version of that without a doubt. It would yeah. be brilliant because, like you say, it work, would work in our favour. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. So may, may, maybe check that out. Um, so in terms yeah. of in terms of the practice itself, I'm interested to know you know, what your setup's like, roughly how much have you, in, if you're comfortable saying how much you invested in yeah. this space um, and the list of services that you offer, like your scope of practice. And you said you don't have a receptionist. So I'm assuming you're, you're solo, you're on your own. So just maybe yeah. just walk us through that a little bit so we can get an idea of what your practice looks like and what it is that you do there. Yeah, so um, I decided from sort of day one to streamline it really. Um, it's just because I felt, even just Botox alone was a huge, you know, specialism on its own. Um, when I first started out, I did a, I did one day course on Botox yeah. and was like, off you go, there you go, there's your certificate. And We've all done that, don't worry. It just didn't, oh my goodness, it just didn't sit right with me at all. Um, so I then said to my husband, I need some more money, I need to go and do another course. <laughs> um, and they're not cheap courses, are they? You know, so, you know, I'd already spent, you know, about, I think it was £1,200 for the first course. And then I'm like, okay, I found another course. This one's about three and a half thousand. Mm. But this one, it will go over the Botox again. It's teaching me dermal fillers and it's teaching me a little bit of medical grade skincare, things like um, chemical um, peels and your microneedling. So it was sold as a package to me. Well, there you go. You've got your, your business package there, which was a lot more attractive. I thought actually, yes, it gives me a chance to consolidate the Botox training a little bit more because I 100% wasn't prepared to go out after that first day. So that's what I've been doing for the last 11 months. I've been doing your, your, your basic, I guess, Botox. So I just do the three areas of the upper face. And I do also do the basics of dermal filler. So I do your nasal labial folds and the marinette lines. And I do lip enhancements. Mm -hmm. 
the lip enhancement course was all part of this three-day course which was literally probably two hours the lip enhancement training so Mm. that was that wasn't enough at all you know um and the chemical peels that's worked quite well um so I do have these packages of different things um, and that's what I've done and I've and I only now, after 11 months, would I say I'm ready to maybe do an advanced course on Botox or dermal fillers. Um, so for me, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a slow learner, but it's taken me... I've actually done three courses in Botox now, actually. Because <laughs> I just... It's, it, there's so much to learn. Um, and I also... I feel like I need to know everything, mm. which has been really frustrating. So... You know, I, I know you can't learn everything in one day, but it's frustrating when you know there's so much more to it than just injecting those three areas. Um, so for me, it's taken me a good 11 months to properly understand Botox, really. And I'm still learning, still learning. Um, so, yeah, so that that's what I offer. It's pretty streamlined, but the reason for that is I wanted to get really good at those things that I do. Um but sometimes it can be frustrating when people, they do ask you, do you do this, do you do that? And you feel that there's a little bit of pressure to keep training in new things because people want lots of different things. But actually, I'm glad I haven't because you can't be brilliant at everything. So, Can I ask, I mean, I know this is sort of asking yeah. an injecting question rather than business question, <laughs> but I can't help myself. Because, um, I, I, you know, I train <laughs> new injectors and it's fascinating to see different people's um, you know, learning curve, etc. So, what, what things have you sort of found the gaps in knowledge that you originally taught? What 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 didn't quite work for you that you needed to do a second and a third course? Um, I guess really understanding how the muscles worked really with the uh-huh. Botox, definitely, and just there was a lot of information. And I think in one day you can't, I, I couldn't absorb it all. Yeah. I just couldn't, um, and you only remember certain things from that day course. So there were only certain things that I remembered. And so then I thought, okay, I've remembered those things, but now I need, I need to learn these other things and I couldn't remember everything. Um, so yeah. So one of the third course I did was online actually, which has been really helpful because I can keep referring back to it. Um, that that's been really helpful. And just going into a lot more depth, about and, and complications so they didn't the first course i did didn't talk about complications of botox at all mm. um i think they just mentioned okay if you get um uh eyelid toasters you just stick some drops give them some <laughs> drops give them some eye drops in, and you know that'll be fine it'll wear off in three months that wasn't good enough for me yeah <laughs> no that's that was good feedback because a lot of people are in that position where they do do a course and they're like uh do i start tomorrow or or or, or do i need to do more and i think you've kind of answered that question already yeah yeah um so in terms of um being 11 months into your journey and looking back is there anything that you regret is there any decisions that knowing what you know now you would have done differently or are you quite happy with how things have progressed um i think it's difficult because I think possibly we have something in the UK called the level seven course, which is a pathway um, that you can go on and you have mentors and you do all the training in your Botox and your dermal fillers. Um, and, you know, you're very much supported. It's like going back to university and doing it that way. 
I think perhaps in hindsight that might have you know been less stressful at the beginning for me definitely there was mm. you know my stress levels at the beginning were really really high um and you know I pushed through I pushed through that pain barrier but it was really stressful and there were definitely times when I thought I could give up but I think if I'd been on a pathway like that supported um with that you know supported network around you which you get in that kind of academic environment I think I think that maybe I would have been a better pathway for me but now I feel like I mean I could always go back and go that way but now I feel like I've possibly gone through that pain barrier and I just need to keep pushing really um and yeah I think that, that the hardest thing is not having those mentors around you but as time has gone on you you pick up those mentors and you realize where to seek information from and where not to seek information from so yeah and like I said before you know going and working in someone else's environment like the beauticians being in someone else's environment wasn't for me either Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do that again if I was to you know have my own clinic and it wasn't at home it would be my clinic it would be my space with my you know my standards my rules so yeah that that I wouldn't do again um and just knowing, really, if I was to give anyone advice, is then there's so much more to it than you realise at the beginning. You know, you're sold this one day Botox course, and you've got your business. It's it's not true at all. There's so much more to it. And I think when I first looked at that level seven course, I think I think it's a while ago now. It's about ten thousand pounds. You know, I think it's two years of your life. For me, I couldn't get my head around those figures. But now. So I'm probably about £6,000 in. Most of that is training. So in hindsight, actually, (laughs) it probably would have been a better pathway. Yeah. Um, Have you found support from, you know, peripheral people like, I don't know, pharma reps, um, other colleagues that you've met on the courses who are now injecting, even the really informal avenues like Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups and stuff? A little. Um... As, and the longer I'm in the industry, yes, it's it's building. It's a bit of a snowball effect. So the more you do, the more people you meet. Um, so as far as reps, I've only really touched base with reps just recently. Mm-hmm. I've become a little bit suspicious of everyone having their own kind of, you know, they all want to make money out of you, really. Of and course. even even some of the training I've done, you know, the, the three-day course I did, they trained us in a particular uh, dermal filler. And then at the end, they're like, you can buy this off us. You know, mm-hmm. we really recommend this filler. And then you're like, oh, you know, is, you're recommending it because I'm going to buy it for you. So you suddenly become a bit suspicious of everyone. And that's really hard because yeah. you don't know, you know, who to trust sometimes. But like I said, from the beginning, I've never really knew any nurses or doctors in the industry. Um, so now one of the um, nurses I work with in the um, GP practice, she's also gone into aesthetics now. So even though she's also just beginning, it's really great to have her just to bounce off ideas. And, you know, even though our knowledge isn't huge, it's just nice to chat things over with somebody sometimes. Yeah. Um, so now... Like at the beginning, I was going to places like Facebook, which just wasn't a good place to go, um, <laughs> which makes me cringe now. So so this podcast has been amazing for me because you've had people on here that have just become real role models for me, including yourself, Jake, and oh, you know, people you. like um, Gillian, um, Laurie. Like now, like I follow them, these, you know, 
even people like, like Tim Pierce, they I follow them now, you know, these real professionals and they're really inspiring. I think you need people to inspire you. You need role models. Um, and that's what's definitely helped me. Um, it doesn't replace learn, it doesn't replace courses, but it definitely makes you realise, you know, well, how much more there is to learn and there are you know real professionals out there that you can definitely I mean even the podcasts I've learned so much from these podcasts yeah so so that's been fantastic yeah it, it's it's an interesting challenge isn't it um and we spoke about this and we were having a, a pre-chat about about this podcast Natasha was you know knowing who to trust um and as you said you know everyone mm has an agenda and it's not i mean we're all turn up to work obviously to do what we love and to follow our passions and to do it to the best of our ability but at the end of the day there is also a financial side to what we do so you're 100 percent correct everyone does have a vested interest in your success um and there are financial benefits to you buying their products and obviously even if we don't want to be biased or we're trying not to be biased unfortunately it's human nature we are very easily um I wouldn't say corrupted because that's a very negative connotation, but it's very easy for us to become influenced, even if it's subconsciously with something. And Jake and I've had heaps, heaps of discussions around this. And I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it, Jake. I mean, as someone who's, you know, a globally, a globally recognized, uh, you know, key opinion leader, you obviously really good and respected in what you do. How do new injectors know who to trust? How can they know that the knowledge that they're getting or the information that they're being um, suggested to follow is objective? Um, and for someone like Natasha, how do they, how do they know who they should be listening to. Um, Put you on spot I, I really don't know where to start with this because <laughs> even Tim and I, Tim Pierce, we tried to do a live on this about a week ago and we had a technical failure, so we couldn't get into it. But the topic was tribalism and, and, and how do you sort of, basically who do you choose yeah. who to trust and stuff. And I mean, firstly to say, I'm glad Natasha had the insight to at least ask the question, who should I trust? Because yeah. some people just trust and, and, and they sort of get hoodwinked and, and go down paths that they don't really want to go down. So, you know, it, it's healthy to have some scepticism. And, you know, as a new injector, and, and I've, you know, I've done this as well, everything that you're saying reminds me of me 14 years ago. So it's kind of like, it's nice to hear that everyone had the same trials and tribulations, yeah. but at the same time, you know, hopefully you feel like you've got a bit more support than, than I had back then. I had none. Um, but, um, you know, go to courses, try all the products mm. um you know join these i'm not saying take everything as gospel from a facebook group but just hear what people are saying and weigh up what you think seems reasonable or at least you don't even have to engage just hear what people are saying mm. to sort of see well what's their level of competence and understanding about this weird world of aesthetics um you know listen to podcasts um <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I, I think obviously you've, you know, you've been on three courses now and you've been taught something and it's working. Yeah. So, you know, having too much skepticism is also a barrier yep. and uh, David's a yeah. real skeptic and, you know, I'm sort of in the middle <laughs> and, you know, we have big debates about all sorts of skepticism and stuff, but you know, I, I think you have to try something and if it works and your patients are happy and you're happy and you're making money yeah. and everyone's safe 
good then that's a that's a platform to build on but you know still yeah. still try other yeah. products and other things so that's a bit of a whiffly waffly answer yeah. and i don't think there is an answer but i i, I think everything mm. that you've said so far has been really sensible and and, yeah. and some skepticism is is healthy yeah i mean i i think from from an outsider's perspective that that isn't a a medical practitioner or a nurse is to as you said and sort of like maybe just to sort of uh distill what Jake said into, you know, something more condensed is that get as much information as you can, read everything, listen to everyone and then form your own opinions yeah. based on mm. your own experience. The more people you listen to, the more things you read, the more groups that you're part of, the more you'll be able to get, you'll see different people's opinions. You'll see the, the pros, the cons, the the, the, yeah. the the circumstances where things have been good, other times when they've been bad and you slowly start to build your own um, experiences and thoughts on, on how things should be done. Mm. Um, learn from your mistakes, you know, don't make the same mistake yeah. twice, be conservative, yeah. which is all, which is what you've done. And I, I think that there is no exact hard and fast rule on how to know who to trust, but I think being sensible, being conservative and arming yourself with as many opinions as you can is probably the best thing that you can mm. do at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, this is slightly off piece, but it will help you, Natasha, is use the two week review for your Botox patients to learn yourself, you know, yeah. so you've got your little face map of what you did two weeks ago and you're looking at them. Yeah. And if it worked, awesome then you're on the right track. But yeah. if it didn't and, and you know, things are going awry and they're spocking and, and things aren't working, then yeah. that's maybe the chance to reach out to a colleague to say, hey, yeah. and, and like use it as a formal yeah. case discussion. Actually make it like a learning thing rather than an informal WhatsApp chat. Actually yeah. learn together and yeah. maybe find, you know, your peer at work um, who's also on the same yeah. journey. Just, you know, yeah. nut it out over a Zoom or, or even a pint. That's, Who knows? Yeah. That's 100% what we do, definitely. Yeah. And like I said, that only comes with time. So that's, you know, it's so many, you need so much experience and, you know, to a certain degree, no bad experience is a bad experience. Yes. It's a learning experience, isn't it? As long as it's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had anything too bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a snowball effect. The longer you, I mean, it's a time thing. There's only so many hours in the day to read things and look at YouTube yeah. and to look at different courses. So it's a time thing. And yeah, yeah definitely that's, Yeah. I think you can also get paralysis by analysis as well. Sometimes, as you said, too much information can confuse you even more. So it's sort of like that fine balance yeah. between too much and not enough. Yeah. But I think, you know, yeah. my message to you and anyone else that's listening is don't be afraid to reach out to people. I mean, you know, you see someone on YouTube that might have a big Instagram following, they might be well-known on YouTube and they might be really well-respected on the world circuit. Reach out to them. Um, the worst thing that yeah. someone can say is no or they don't respond. You got my number now. Just reach out to me. Ask me. Oh, do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Though, oh, but for, 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 for people other than just you, <laughs> Natasha, is it? You know, be, most people. Yeah. Most people are decent. Most people who care about yeah. this industry want it, want people to do well. They want people to be safe. They want us as a community, um, as a discipline, as a global discipline, to do things better and to be safer. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. And if someone doesn't get back to you, that's a reflection on them. Yeah, it's not on you. Yeah. And, and can I also say that you know, yeah, that's good advice. I, I don't know what you think my experience is, but you know, I, I'm, I'm seen as experienced and whatever. But I've certainly got questions. I don't know all the answers, and so I've got a WhatsApp group of you know, 50, 60 colleagues around the world who I trust and I've I've curated that group and I'll ask them the stupidest questions because I feel safe in that little WhatsApp group yeah. to ask those questions. So find your people, find your tribe. Yeah. Um, you know, not every yeah. newbie is going to be the most sensible person, obviously, to bounce questions around with. But 
sensible newbies would would be a good yeah. little yeah. group to learn together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God, we've got so many questions time. and there's so many discussion pieces <laughs> we're going to get. We're already <laughs> we're going to need to do like four more episodes just with Natasha to get through all of this. No, it's, yeah. it's good. Um, I've got a question. How did you price yeah. or, or or decide to price yeah. yourself? I mean, did you do a little market research of the people around your area, yeah. or, or what did you do? Yeah. So, yeah, so I did that. So I, I think I looked at something like 20 aesthetic practices around the area. Um, and I kind of, I don't know if it was the right thing to do or not, but I met, I went mid-range basically mm-hmm. because I felt I couldn't go top range because of my lack of experience. And um, I didn't want to go bottom range because I felt that that would attract the wrong person. So when I first started my business, I knew I needed to get people in. Um, so I advertised at 50% off treatments and models required, which was great in some ways because it definitely 100% got people in. So I was really busy for the first few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but now in hindsight... I attracted some of the wrong people. Um, (laughs) A lot of those never came back because that's what they're looking for. They're looking, they're going copying from 50% offers all around. So they don't come back when you put your prices back to what they should be. Um, And some of those clients were quite challenging as well. So, so it, it was good because it allowed me to build up my portfolio. They, even the ones that were quite challenging, again, I put it down to experience and I learned from them. I learned to say no quite quickly, um, which is hard. It doesn't come natural to me. I don't know if it's the nurse in me or, you know, you're a people pleaser. So that was hard. But I soon learned that if I didn't say no, it was just going to get messy. And it, it was me that was losing sleep, not them. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, so it's worked well. My prices work well, I think, for the people I see. Uh, you know, I'd say 90 95% of the people I see now are more than happy to pay my prices. I think I'm quite competitive with some of the big clinics around here because they have much bigger overheads. So, I, you know, I am without a doubt lower than them. Um, and at the moment, because I'm a fairly small business, I provide quite a bespoke service. So yeah. it's very personal. I can do, I can go that extra mile a little bit. You know, they get their pre and post photos sent to them via WhatsApp afterwards. I don't think they get that in some of the bigger clinics because it's not practical. So they, they do get a very bespoke service yeah. at, a, at a good price, really. But I guess they know that I've only been practicing a year. So I know it will be hard to put my prices up, but I'll come across that when I need to. Really, yeah. yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with where my prices are. And I think um, no one can tell you what what your time's worth. And you know that there's there's sort of multiple parts to this patient journey when they come in and see you, and and the treatment portion is very small. Um, you've got Mm. their exposure to you before the treatment coming in in your space, the way you make them feel, the way you consult, how, how caring and how gentle you are, people pick up on these things. And, and so it's not just about how experienced you are. It's about the whole experience yeah. that they have in coming into contact with you and your business and how you make them feel as a person. And I think that um, in terms of, God, I had a point there. I just had a mental blank. <laughs> I just had a mental blank. <laughs> wow. You're basically saying, I mean, you know, you you said it yourself, Natasha, when you were in the beautician place, your your clients told you, we don't like this. And they liked what you were offering 
you know yourself at yeah. home so yeah i, I, I agree 100 they 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 uh, buy into you as a person i remember well, that's now. what i think that's what you're maybe trying to say they 100 but you don't know that when you're starting out really people say it but actually they come to see and it sounds big-headed but they come to see me like they they sort of they wouldn't go as far to say they're my friends but you definitely bond with these people and you know the things they tell you are they're on your couch is amazing like mm. you almost become a bit of a counselor at the same time <laughs> but they, they trust you and you build that bond with them and you build a rapport and that's really important and you know like I said without sounding big-headed they definitely they they warm to me yeah. and you know much what I provide which is more than the treatment without a doubt so yeah so and that's the feedback I get have you had your Alzheimer's uh, moment? Alzheimer's, it- yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say was in relation to putting your prices up is that um, a strategy that's worked well for a lot of people that I know and advice I've given to people over the years is to, and it's not rocket science. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the person that came up with it, was that put your prices up for new patients, but keep the prices of your existing patients the same. So oh, you're not okay. alienating the people that are already there. So they've sort of almost grandfather clawed in to your old price because they were yeah. the first adopters and they're the ones that supported you when you were just getting your business started. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that's a strategy as you select the clients that you really want to hold on to, the ones that have been supportive of you. And anyone new that comes in from a certain date, you know, you draw a line in the sand and this is your new price moving forward, but you, you sort of honour the price that you did for those old people. And that's like sort of like a halfway um, compromise where yeah, you can that's... sort of increase your prices without risk of losing everyone that, that supported you from the beginning. I will say yeah, I did exactly that in the UK and it works. Of course yeah. it works. They, they feel looked after. Your new patients mm. don't know any different because you're advertising that new price, but it does get harder and harder. And and to be honest, you get a bit bitter towards the old hanger oners who kind of you know because things change, inflation changes, yeah. and prices yeah. change, and yeah. so on. And they eventually think. You know, you've got too expensive for me, and many of them decided to to go elsewhere. But they did come back when they realised that the, it wasn't just the price; it was the treatment that was good. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. For a newbie, it, it's a pretty good strategy, but it doesn't last forever. Yeah. That's the only thing. I, that's the only caveat. Yeah. So you might, that that's that select number of patients over the time might that you want to call to that old price might diminish and diminish over time. Or sometimes yeah. you might just have that conversation with people and say, "Look, you know, I've honoured this price mm. for this many years." you know, I'm going to have to increase it. You know, I hope that you understand. I hope you continue to support me. And just having that honest conversation and rather than just when they call up yeah. and the receptionist yeah. answers the phone and they get treated like anyone else, it may not feel nice yeah. to them. So I think sometimes it depends on how you deliver that message as well. Yeah, true. A yeah. good warning shot. And yeah. this time we'll honor it, but moving unfortunately forward. next time yeah. it's going to have to change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, those, yeah. those patients that you mentioned who are sort of seeking the discounts, we, we all have yep. that problem. And the I bargain mean, hunters. Yeah, yeah. And look, when I put out a model call for <laughs> even for my stuff that I'm doing with Allegan, you get the tire kickers and the people who are just looking for free stuff and they're completely inappropriate. They've had all this work yeah. done. And <laughs> I love it. When, I love it when you say, uh, you, you, you want virgin faces and they turn up with 900 mils in their yes. face. No, no doctor. I've had nothing done. <laughs> literally. Now you've got your ultrasound. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy because even on my intake form, I get them to fill out a form now before I even talk to them. And one of my stipulations is never had a treatment, no Botox, no filler. And they all say, you know, when you meet them, oh, yeah, of course I've had stuff. But they just ignore everything that you've tried to do to to get good models. So I hear your pain. It happens all the time. Yeah. And, you know, doing Groupons and all this yeah. kind of stuff, I just don't, mm. I don't recommend it. Just yeah. please don't. 
So tell yeah. us, talk to us about marketing. How how did you get your name out there? How did you, other than the the Groupon or the Bargain Hunt deals that you did? How did you <laughs> attract like the clientele that you like, the clientele that that you want to hold on yeah. to, the people that you like treating? How did you how did you go about that? And have you had any external marketing advice from agencies or people who claim to be marketing experts? Have you what what has that been like for you? So, uh, so without a doubt, marketing was a huge challenge for me. No idea about marketing before I came into aesthetics um, and one of the huge headaches I've had. So it's been a combination of um, talking to friends. So I think if people have got friends in that industry, that really helps. So I've got a, a, a neighbor, actually, who's been in marketing a long time. And she, as soon as she saw what I was doing, she was like knocking on the door. Let me help you. <laughs> So we came to some agreement because at the end of the day, that is her job. And I felt really uncomfortable having all this free advice. You know, I, I felt that wasn't right either. So we came to some agreement, so massively discounted advice. And she taught me lots of great things and really, really helped me with things like my logo. Um, you know, she talked to me about looking at your niche. Um, however, there were limitations because she's never worked in the aesthetics industry. So there were definitely limitations and she got really excited and a little bit carried away in some ways of, oh, we can do this and we can start selling some products online on your website. I mean, I hadn't even looked at products. Um, and doing the the you know the bog off offers that sort of thing and I was like whoa like and I knew deep down a lot of that wasn't right for what I wanted to do but without a doubt she definitely taught me some really good things but it was knowing how this is quite a niche industry so not everything to do with you know someone who's in marketing general marketing it's not going to work um so so that was good and limited um then there's an, there's quite a few marketing people around me. My husband's in marketing, but in a different sort of thing. So some people that work with him, then we had this kind of agreement that I would give them some treatments like a chemical peel and they would give me a little bit of advice on <laughs> literally things like Instagram. Like, a bit, you know, you could go and do a course on Instagram. I had no idea how to do social media in certain ways. So she has given me lots of feedback. She did like this MOT of my social media, which is really useful actually. So just knowing the buzzwords that you had to have in certain places on your social media, little tidbits like always um, adding your location. If you do a story, always add it. And it just, it, um, it's to do with the algorithms, isn't it? So, you know, a lot of it makes my brain hurt, but there are certain things you can definitely pick up. So that was good. And then I also have paid to be part of um, this academy, Marketing Academy, which has also been quite good. And that is much more aesthetics um specialist sort of advice so that's been good um it's an online course it does involve a, a supportive um facebook group where there's lots of people on there like sharing their experiences of marketing and what's worked for them and that's been really good actually um but the biggest challenge for me in marketing is time like yeah. and it has stressed me out at times. So I've spent like uh, the trouble with me is I'm a bit of a perfectionist so I'll spend an hour putting one post out on Instagram and then that just stresses me out but I've spent an hour of my evening and I've come up with one post you know it took me weeks to get my head around Canva for example (laughs) I'm just not that way inclined I'm a nurse so I know you know I've never done marketing before so it's got easier you've got to persevere and it's got easier without a doubt um you've got to persevere with it so I've, I've relaxed a little bit about it now because I've realized that 99% of my clients come from word of mouth yep. 
you have to have a presence on social media. So they will obviously, when their friend says, oh, go and check out Natasha, they will then go on my Instagram page or my Facebook page or my website. So there has to be, it has to be fairly up to date, but I have, I think I've had one client in 11 months come from organically finding me on Instagram that so yeah, so it, it, it hasn't for me, it hasn't brought new clients in. That might be because I'm doing something majorly wrong. Um, but I quite like the fact that, you know, 99% of my clients are from referrals, from people recommending me. And it means that my, maybe my business is growing slower, but I'm, I'm okay with that. So I guess it's, you know, if you really want your business to grow really fast, then maybe marketing is something you need to, to really focus on. But for me, I found it a massive headache. <laughs> well, I did have a little look at your Instagram. I think you're doing great. Um, you know, you're putting wow. nice, fun, educational stuff up there. You're putting yourself out there, your photos there. Um, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And, yeah. you know, in- Instagram, even for me personally, you've got 16, whatever, thousand followers. But it, it's really changed even just in the last month or two. There's been a big drop off in, in my engagement. So, you know, you'll have these peaks and troughs. And I think you've just got to be there. And, and don't stress yourself, stress yourself out too much. I mean, yeah. I'm very guilty of spending an hour on a post, trust me. So <laughs> I, I know your pain, but that's okay. Oh, you don't have to, to post, don't, don't be posting twice a day, you know, 14 yeah. times a week. It's too much. It, it's too much. But going back to, you know, how people, so the people that are in the marketing industry who sell you these marketing courses, they're like, you need to be posting six times a yeah. day. It's all about the marketing. So you can get caught up in that as well, but you, then you realize, well, they of course that's because that's what they do that's yes. what their agenda is is yeah. they need to make you feel like marketing is the be all and end all so yeah. le- 11 months down the line i realize it's not yeah. it's not the be all end all and it's so time consuming yeah well can, can i ask what was the name of the facebook group that you were using the marketing group that sounded interesting i'd say it's it's a girl called rebecca patterson mm-hmm. so she runs a, an academy it's a paid academy she just calls it the aesthetics academy but okay. it's a girl called rebecca yeah. patterson but she is really good actually if i was to rec- recommend anyone she is she is she's been very yeah. she's very supportive yeah brilliant when, I, when i'm looking at businesses aesthetic businesses and i'm trying to understand their level of success and the trajectory of how they're going to grow i'm always looking at the returning client numbers i'm not interested in how many new clients you've got coming in from a campaign that you're doing or some instagram post it's about how many of your clients are coming back what is your what is your return rate because that is the true metric of how well are you delivering your your services your treatments how are you making them feel are they rebooking? And if people are coming in and rebooking, the chances are they're going to tell their friends. It's an industry now, yeah. the treatments now where most people are up to a certain age group, they're pretty comfortable to tell their close friends and family they get <laughs> treatments done and quite happy to recommend the person that they go to. So for me, if you have to choose between taking a photo of an acai bowl and some inspirational quote that you've ripped from someone's website and <laughs> posting it on your Instagram or spending mm-hmm. that time giving your client an experience they can't get anywhere else, I know where I'd be spending my time because that, and as you said, it might be a slower burn, but at the end of the day, when you think about your return on investment in your time, effort, brain power, concentration, focusing on the clients or patients that are coming through your door and giving them an experience that's going to motivate them to tell their friends and the family and to keep rebooking. From my perspective, that's a far better use of your time and your energy. Yeah, agreed. And look, some of the- And it's more enjoyable. Of course. It's more enjoyable. For me, that comes naturally. You know, that's the bit I like is 
you know, spending that time with my my clients. So I, I like doing that bit. I don't necessarily like doing the marketing bit. So yeah. for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, and yeah. also when people come from a referral, it seems to be the same type of people as well, which is great. Yeah. Like they're yeah. the people that I like, that, you know, they're the people that are the people that I want. So that's the other thing. Yeah. And no offense to anyone that likes to say, well, it was just a generalization. <laughs> you see these things, just food posts and, you know, some quote. And, and I mean, it just seems like people, as you said, they're just getting this advice, just put stuff up. They're looking at what everyone else is doing. They're doing the different version of the same concept. And I think that people, when we're sort of in this really impersonal world, I think your patients to a certain extent want to know who you are. You know, it doesn't mean like mm. share all your intimate details about where you're going on holidays and all, you know, everything about your private stuff that you don't want to share, but getting a feel for who you are as a person and people resonate with that. Yeah. So be, don't be af- afraid to be an individual and to put stuff up that, you know, mm. maybe it's something that you do. Maybe you're an artist, maybe you draw, maybe you like doing so- something that's a little bit obscure, like showing your personality and you will attract the people that you know, that you, that you yeah. resonate with rather than trying to do what yeah. everyone else is doing. Cause then you just have millions of people who all look the same, essentially. This might sound really weird, but, um, some of the way I plan my Instagram is based on how comedians plan some of their sketches. Yeah, right. So the best comedians, as far as I'm concerned. Talking about me. No, your shit dad jokes <laughs> don't qualify. <laughs> um, they, they, you know, they're very good observers of, of everyday life about silly things that happen in a shop or in a restaurant or whatever, and they, and they make it a funny story. So yeah. if you're in your clinic and, and you've already given me an example of what I would do a post on is what, why did you say no to that patient whenever you told them no? And make that into a simple post. Um, you know, you don't have to yeah. sort of sit there and berate the, the the patient, but just make it into a story of why you felt uncomfortable and what your learning experience was and whatever. And you don't have to think about things because these things are happening every day in your clinic. So, yeah. you know, just be an observer of what you're doing and maybe just write down three highlights of your day. Uh, you know, a patient yeah, came back good. and had a great result. Uh, one patient you said no to and something funny or whatever. So... Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. you don't have to think of random shit all the time because yeah. stuff's happening every day yeah, in your clinic. Yeah, and I, th- I think there yeah. definitely is that pressure just to post just for the sake of posting's sake. I mean, we've there must be so many posts. If you looked at how many posts get done every day, and I mean, mm. how much of them are actually of any substance or meaning or yeah. it's probably a very small percentage. Oh, look, some of yeah. the biggest and, and best injectors I know are either not on Instagram or they are and they've got like three posts. They don't give a crap. They're, they've got the busiest clinics. Yeah. Um, fair enough. They were yeah. of, of a time where they probably built it before then. But it's not the be all and end all, but I do think, you know, no. injectors this day and age should have an account, but just don't get too stressed about, mm. you know, all those metrics yeah. and, and feeding the algorithm. It's, it's nonsense. It's, it's just too stressful. Yeah, and no one knows what the algorithm is anyway. I don't even think Instagram knows what the algorithm is. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, definitely not. No, it's all about the reels now, which Thanks. is really oh, stressful. No. Yeah. Can, can I ask, um, have you ever felt lonely? Um, you know, yeah. sort of you're in your, you're in your clinic on your own and, uh, you know, the phone's not going and you're having a crappy day. Like, what do you do when you're feeling lonely? Like, what, what do you do to sort of G yourself up and motivate yourself and, and build? Um, I suppose only at the beginning I had those feelings, actually. I don't, I haven't felt like that probably for the last six months. I've just been, I've actually just been really busy. I've not really had time to feel lonely, actually. So, and it's getting busier and busier week on week. So, um, particularly I'd say the last six weeks, there seems to be some momentum that's kicking in and it's definitely word of mouth momentum. Um, So, but that's been really lovely. So, 
I think at the end of the day, the, my clients are, are who has kept me going. Yeah. So at the beginning, there was that support from friends and family, but now it's my clients, it's the feedback, it's the fact that they've said, oh, so-and-so's recommended you, she said great things about you, and oh, I heard someone talking about you in the gossip nails the other day, that was really good. So <laughs> that, that just makes you feel really good. And so yeah. actually, I've not felt lonely in the last few weeks at all um just really really busy i've not had time to be lonely but at the beginning it was really lonely yeah. um and just i felt really lost at the beginning and you know who do i reach out to and yeah. and i think i'd even got to christmas and i definitely hit a brick wall so I started in september i got to christmas and hit a brick wall um and i didn't do anything for a month and then I remember just getting my CV together and I thought I'm just going to apply to some aesthetic clinics and try and get a job there mm-hmm. and just go that way. And then because of obviously with Baytouch, you've got that three, four month cycle, then yep. just the phone call started coming in. Can I rebook my Botox that I had in September? And that just kept me going. I thought, oh, hang on, people are coming back to me. Yep. I must be doing something right. So, and then that's continued. Yep. So I checked the other day and I've got, I think it's 87% return from my clients at the that's moment, amazing. which I'm really chuffed about. That's great. So that's what's kept me going. And, yeah, that's yeah. excellent. That's an that's an amazing return. That's huge. Congratulations. Um, Thank I, you. I, I think it's um I'm talking to a friend that's that's started a clinic recently and, and just sort of coaching them through emotionally through you know the roller coaster ride yeah. of like starting a new aesthetic mm-hmm. practice and you know what you're saying resonates with me because I have you know similar conversations with, with, with this person around oh you know it's quiet this week and it's busy this week and you know oh, it, it just you, you're sort of on this emotional roller coaster and I think it's, it's a good idea to sort of look at the year and map out what's happening during the year school holidays school holidays will have a huge mm-hmm. impact on inquiries because people are taking care of their kids they don't have time to think about their treatments you're looking at seasonality you're looking at things like easter christmas school holidays yeah. public holidays um tax time all these sorts of things and and, and the reality is until you've probably got two years of um, mm. trading under your belt you're going to feel every peak and trough every something comes out in the news around a new covid variant that's come out or mm-hmm. um, something in the economy that's stressing people and all of a sudden people respond to that and they'll tighten their purse strings and your phone will not ring for that week but what will happen over time mm. is that as your client base grows and those returning clients book back in you will feel less and less and less of those peaks and troughs you'll feel less of those ups and downs because your returning clients are the people that are giving you that consistency so that is normal to feel like that and it's just yeah. it was interesting hearing you say that because it, it reminds me of the conversations i'm having with this person at the moment just coaching them through that yeah. emotional uh, up and down of sort of feeling what am i doing wrong it's like well has anything changed in your business in the last three weeks that were just autumn you know there's something happened have you like put some horrible post up the front of your um shop or have you used your, has your website come down if none of those things if nothing yeah. drastic has changed in your business or you haven't been on some major tv program for butchering someone's face the reality the the, the, prob- <laughs> the probability is that something it's just natural market forces that are at play yeah. and just having the knowledge to understand that it's going to take you a period of time to build that consistency yeah um You've reminded me something that David taught me when I used to work with David about rebookings. So you said, oh, you know, I've noticed the natural cycle is at three or four months they call again. Well, my suggestion, and this is for every injector, not just new injectors, and I do this like, you know, like religious now, is when they leave, say to them, don't say, can I book you in? I mean, it's nice to ask, obviously, but I would say, (laughs) I'm going to book you in 
for three months or three and a half months I do um, because that's the natural cycle when I'm going to see you again now obviously you're welcome to cancel or you need to change it nearer the time no problem but it, it, it's not just neuro-linguistic programming you're actually offering them a service of looking yeah. after them and making sure they come at the right time yeah so you know i sort of learned that from david but it, it, it's not just a business skill yeah. it's actually a clinical skill well i learned that in sales as it mean because we are all in sales at the end of the day i mean we don't want to yeah. say we don't want to admit that we are but we we you know we get up every day <laughs> and we do our job and if the reality is that people don't like us they're not going to buy our services or whatever it is that we do and and so we are getting up and selling ourselves every day mm. and this is a part of the psychology which is called the it's called the assumptive close and so rather than giving people <laughs> a yes or a no option where it's very easy to say no mm. You don't give them the option to say yes or no. It's actually you say I'm gonna yeah. I'm just gonna book you in, in three three months. It's much harder for someone to go oh no don't do that, than for you to say yeah. do you want to or not. And it's not rude. It's just it's just understanding the power of language and, and mm. semantics and, and the certain words you use where it's just very friendly. As Jake said, I'm just gonna book you in three months time. No problems. If something changes comes up in your calendar, no problems. Give us a call. But let's get you in the calendar now. I'm getting busier. And let's make sure you've got your spot booked in so you don't have to think about it. You know, let's do it now. Yeah. And, and for the gold star, I'm actually mm. booking the next one for February because we've got oh, Christmas Such in an overachiever. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, it's a good point, you know, because we're going to be, well, here um, in Australia, it's our summer holiday. So some people are off for eight weeks with their kids. Yeah. So they're going to lose yeah. track of time and, and forget. And then yeah. they're all going to try and come at the same time. So yeah. I'm like, look, you've yeah. got two guaranteed slots, November, February, done. Yeah. And remember, they're like, cool. Yeah. Do you remember this thing called COVID where you couldn't come in for eight months and you were freaking out <laughs> yes. because you face was looking different yes. that's, not, that's what happens when you don't rebook in with dr jake yeah no exactly <laughs> the other thing i wanted to pick you up on because this is something that dave and i have argued about bitterly uh, and, and we've debated this to the oh, to man. the death is the word client versus patient uh-huh um i used the word client earlier yeah. on because i'd seen that you'd used it on your instagram but how do you feel coming from 21 years of looking after patients mm. and now there's this sort of mindset of calling and, and treating people with clients. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think I only changed that just from the training I've done, whether everyone calls them clients. So I, I sometimes I still by accident will say patients and I correct myself all the time. I mean, I mean a client, not patient. Yes. So I guess the only distinguishing thing is, in my head, a patient is somebody that's perhaps poorly, mm -hmm. who needs, you know, treatment to get better. And then a client is a paying person for something that's you know it, it they're choosing to have they yeah. don't need necessarily so that's my distinguishing distinction between it but I still call them patients often but now it now that the more I've done it it doesn't seem right now that they are patients but it's a weird one isn't it it's a really weird one my, my feeling <laughs> is that you know deep down their patients because you felt weird in the beautician yeah. where that didn't sit right with you because they were different they were treating yeah. them differently as a bit casual a bit dirty whatever so yeah. i personally feel like that we should be calling them patients because we're offering them drugs yeah. and yeah. medical procedures with serious complications and you're using your 21 years to, to look I after them i would rather call them patients but then i don't know how they feel would they like to be called clients or would they like to be called patients well i feel like you you can spin that into a positive of no you're not a client you're my patient I'm going to look after you and yeah. you've got I've got your back good point yeah so yeah. it doesn't have to be like this weird <laughs> yeah. thing where they're suddenly sick again it's just that you're going to yeah. really look after them well yeah. that's how I feel anyway yeah, yeah. oh look I, I I probably um I'm not really sort of fussed one way or the other to me it's 
how you treat that pay, how you treat that person. You just want the money. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's it's all about like. How, I mean, <laughs> words are sort of meaningless unless there's action behind them. So I feel that if you, tr- I mean, if you call someone a patient, but you give them a really bad experience and you treat them like a number, then it doesn't really matter what you call them. So for me, it's about whether you feel more comfortable calling them patients or clients. Sort of comes second to how do you treat them? How do you make them feel? Um, that's that's where I'm coming from, but I mean, I'm I'm sort of don't have a horse in the race. I'm sort of yeah. Not in, 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 I mean, it sort yeah. of comes back to the marketing and and how you present yourself. If people, you know, before even speaking to you, see that you're you're speaking using the word patient and you're medical and nurse and all this kind yeah. of stuff, it just sets yeah. a different tone for me. I know it's yeah. different in the UK. Yeah. It's definitely different, and even very sort of well-known I think I'm doctors guilty of copying on that one i'm guilty of copying all the other aesthetic practitioners so but that's really good feed for thought really yeah yeah, yeah. maybe it's just me i don't know oh, well sometimes it's good to do the opposite that's how you stand out yeah. maybe people yeah Definitely. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so apart from your marketing what what other things have you managed to farm out like who who built your website um who's doing your finances your accounting all that stuff <laughs> So yeah, so the original marketing lady um, sort of did my website for me, helped me. So it's a, it's kind of a self-built website. Mm-hmm. That was a massive headache. I hated every minute of that. <laughs> um, and it's still something that I, I know I need to go on there now, for example, and tweak some things and update it. And I will put it off and put it off and put it off. So so yeah, so it, it's okay. It, it it serves a purpose. Um, I get notifications that people are on there looking at it. So so that I know it is serving a purpose. Um, so I think just yeah, the website. Um, I don't I don't know really. I guess I don't do a huge amount of trying to yeah. advertise my business really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I've got one <laughs> bit of feedback because I was again doing some research, looking at your website. It look, it's fine. It, it serves a purpose. I know it's not, you know, how you want it, and and you'll yeah. tinker. I'm still tinkering every day with mine, but just uh, look at how it comes across on a mobile versus on a computer because it can look a bit jumbled, a bit clunky if, if it's not yeah. optimized for mobile. So mm, that's just my one bit of ex- um, advice. And if you look yeah. at the data, I think that's we had... That's been one um, of the headaches, actually. Mm. Right. That yeah. has been one of the headaches. Yeah, because it does seem to change without me changing it. So sometimes it's worse and other times it doesn't. It might depend is, on the browser. So I yeah. need to, yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to have a look at It's that. just often overlooked. And yet most people these days are looking on their phone, not their computer. Yeah, 100%. So just yeah. anyone listening, think about that. Yeah. And have you got yeah. like a, a good team of um, sort of professionals around you? Jake oh. sort of said, you know, a lawyer, a financial planner, an accountant, and an accountant no. that actually understands. <laughs> so that was something that, you know, you may want to look at it. I mean, you don't need to know all of yeah. these things, but you need to have people around you that do um, because these are all yeah. the things that medical people tend to overlook, which is, you know, all your consent forms, um, all of your, if you are employing people or your contracts or your employment uh, documents mm. all done correctly and, and watertight, do you have an accountant that one understands your particular situation um, to make sure that you're doing everything you can to pay as little tax as possible without breaking the law? <laughs> um, all these sorts. So it's, it's important to have like a good support yeah. team of professionals around you to make sure yeah. because you don't, you only, you realize you need them when, when shit hits the fan. 
Yeah. Up until then, you yeah. think, oh, I don't need them. But then when something goes wrong, a patient tries to sue you or you have a staff member. I know you don't have staff yet, but maybe one day you will. Yeah. You know, they walk out yeah. of your clinic and they take your clients or they, they do something. And it's sort of just something that I think is overlooked by, by a lot of people is just having that team of professionals around you mm. to take care of you legally and financially. So while you're out there tra- taking care of your patients, um, <laughs> that you're being taken care of as well, because at the end of the day, um, you're building something mm. for yourself, for your family. You want to make sure that you're maximizing the money that you're making and paying as little tax as possible and that you are protected legally from patients, from staff. And, and yeah. 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 And, to, and not to repeat yeah. what we said in the last podcast, but David did just overhear something about my accounts a few years ago. And he said, that doesn't sound right. And long story cut short, um, I changed accountant as a result of being paying paying way too much tax and that was just a casual conversation with david about you know my certain situation so should have asked again, for a cut yeah yeah <laughs> don't don't just find an accountant but try and find an accountant that yeah. specializes in i don't know if there is if this yeah. exists in the uk but someone who specializes in aesthetics well you'll, you'll probably find someone in the uk that's got a really good accountant who does cosmetic yeah. nursing and just ask them who it's they use and, and, and find those people because yeah, it is I quite new it is quite nuanced yeah and even just not from yeah. even not just from an accounting perspective from money also from the way and i'm not sure the way company law works in the uk so i might be speaking completely out of turn but for the way it works in australia you know running things through a company rather than as a sole trader you know, there are advantages and disadvantages in terms mm. of liability. And if something goes mm. wrong, like if your, if your business was to go bankrupt, for example, heaven forbid, you know, can they come and take your home if you owe someone money? Let's say you had a, a huge outstanding account with, with someone and you couldn't repay it. Are they going to come and take your home or is it just the comp? So there's, there's lots of things to consider um, yeah. when you're setting up a business. Yeah. So I don't know your situation, but it's just for anyone listening, you want to make sure you've got all that stuff locked down because... Uh, yeah. yeah, it can be too That's late by I the time you realise realize you've got a problem. Mm. Um, also, uh, I guess it's on the same vein of thought is uh, looking at your indemnity, your, your insurance, just making sure that it's yeah. bulletproof. I know that you said you've already spoken to them. They're happy for you to be at home, but just make sure they know what you're actually doing, you know, what, what services and yeah. treatments and do they know about chemical pills as well as Botox and yeah. all the rest of that yeah. stuff. Because, you know, they're the first people to pull out and go, whoa, you didn't tell us. Sorry, you're not insured. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So just yeah. triple check. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like we could go go on forever and ever, but we've got some listener questions to get to because we did have well, we had, we had got a ton. The, we got heaps of them that came through. So do you wanna do you wanna kick off with the first one? Sure. From, so this is from Marissa Dennis. She's an NP in British Columbia, Canada. Um I don't know if you're using an electronic medical record system or or a software where you keep your database of patients and notes and stuff. Um if you do, which one are you using and how did you choose yeah. that? So I use Faces. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I just kept like I, I was recommended it by. It must have been one of the courses I went to. It's been really good actually. I'm really pleased with it. Um, it seems you do need to go in and tweak the consent forms mm-hmm. and you know make sure you know exactly what's being sent out to people. But yeah, it's it's worked really well for me. Right at the beginning, I used paper consent forms which within literally within weeks I had folders everywhere <laughs> and it proper stressed me out. Like I was like, where's all this stuff going to go? So then I switched to the online consent forms and it's been really good. Yeah. yeah like it's, it took a, it t- anything technical for me. It takes a little while to get used to, but 
So once you get used to it, it's really good. So yeah. in, in that one, obviously, you've got a database of your patients and all their details, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. They do their digital yeah. consent. And do you do your notes on like a little face chart on there as well? Yeah, so you can you can sort of download um, the picture of their face yeah. and then you can just write on the face what units you used um, or whatever you did and you can write notes. And then there's also a space at the bottom where you can free hand write things um, and you can download like photos of all your batch numbers. So you can just take a photo of, your, of the Botox box or the, you know, the saline. You can just take a quick photo of it and then you just download it. So that's great. Brilliant. So you've got all your all your batch numbers and things um so yeah so that that's been really good actually brilliant okay um julie ann from the uk i think i know the answer to this question but where do your most of your bookings <laughs> come from at the moment i'm assuming it's rebooking clients and word of mouth, word of mouth. yeah okay. um, yeah marissa yeah, did have another sort of side uh, question and maybe I'm, i think there's room to do a whole podcast on this yes. but how do you take your money do you, do you have a, a point of sale sort of terminal credit card terminal do people yeah. still pay in cash i've got a sum up machine I've got a little sum up machine, so I can take that. Um, I some people like to pay cash, which is more inconvenient now. To be honest, yeah. I know with the sum up machines, you take they take a percentage, but you know I rarely get to a bank to pay in cash. So. M- must be a UK but, one. Yeah, is that so like a square I've, thing, like a little you know a tappy thing? Yeah. Okay. We yeah, don't, we like don't it's have literally that, just yeah. a little. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's brilliant. So it's just a little thing that they just literally tap um, uh, take yeah. the payment. They take a percentage. It's a small percentage. Um, and then some people want to do bank transfer, which is okay at the moment with my business being quite small. But going forward, I don't know. Yeah. You know, they they're like, oh, I'll, I'll transfer it when I get home, which has been Ooh. okay so far. But it's you know, I can imagine if your business gets a bit bigger, that's not ideal. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> seems a bit casual to me. You're yeah. going to get that odd person who yeah. forgets to do it. <laughs> and why wouldn't they do that in yeah. front of you if they if they wanted to do that? Why not just? Do, I mean, it's odd. It's like going shopping but not paying. I know, I know. Well, some do. Some will do it while they're here. I don't know. It's a, it's a funny thing. I think actually they think they do it. They're doing me a favour because obviously it's straight money straight into my account without any percentage being taken out but i never i never say oh do you want to do a bank transfer it's always them that say do you want to do bank transfer yeah right um, and then i've had a couple of people that have asked me if i will take monthly payments from them yeah so um they will they're they're you know, they've come to me saying, I want all these treatments throughout the year, but <laughs> the only way I can afford them is to break it up. So I've done that as well. And um, so far that's been okay. Um, but I've got, I don't know, I suppose I was nervous. What if they don't, what if they don't make those payments? But then I guess if they don't make those payments, they don't get their next treatment. So at the moment it's been fine. I've not had any problems, but these things I think turn into problems with numbers as you get bigger and bigger. That's when yeah. you need to get other companies involved to mm. take those payments so you've been actually managing those monthly payments yourself you're yeah. you're calculating it and they're transferring it yeah right interesting Which, i mean like I, at the moment has worked <laughs> i mean i don't know the names of the ones in the uk but we've got a couple here in australia there yeah. you know you sign up for it and it, it just takes the risk off you as the injector because yeah. they're paying them and you, the company pays you immediately and then it's yeah. up to them whether they pay or don't yeah. pay and it, I, I i think it's and nice to have a bit more of a formal service. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. If I were you, I'd stop all those uh, bank transfers <laughs> yeah. and, and outsource that, uh, yeah. um, those payment. I mean, yeah. you're, you're not a bank or a financial <laughs> services company. You're a, you know, you're a, a nurse yeah. doing cosmetic treatments. So, 
you know, don't let them turn you into uh, yeah, it's into, yeah, yeah. It's just getting strong with these things, isn't it? It's just it being is. firm and. Yeah. Oh, you can just say, look, I'm, I'm yeah, getting, you can just say, look, I'm getting too busy to to sort of do that. Do you mind just doing, you know, a card payment, yeah. just like every do, other normal? Do you mind hu- just paying for just what like just every other you? normal human being does when yeah. they buy something? You know, <laughs> you've you turning up to like I don't know what shops you got there. But you've turned up turning up to Debenhams. Woolies, Debenhams. You've turned up to like Woolies or Coles. You're going, look, uh, just do a bank transfer. Can you? Just- yeah, I want this TV, but I'll pay you next. <laughs> I'll month. pay you when I get home. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Sorry, we're taking a piss now. Um, it's okay, no. Question from Ish. Uh, she's a dentist here in Sydney. Um, what challenges did you have in creating your own policies and procedures? Uh, I guess really the question is, did, do you have any policies and procedures? Mm, I guess because it's just me here, then I haven't felt the need to have too many. Mm-hmm. I've got for my um, holidays, I've got the ACE policy mm-hmm. for um dissolving so that's quite good i've got that so they, they've obviously got their own policy that then i would follow never had to follow it thank goodness so far um and then i think some of these things are kind of become natural to me because of my nurse training i think so i think it's you know it's it comes back things like you know checking the fridge twice a day but yeah. that comes natural to me so i haven't got a written policy on it but I have a chart, I write down the temperatures. It, it, I don't really think about these things. But I guess if I was to grow my business and have other people, then that would definitely be something that you would need to look I would. I would need to look into. I, I, I know that. But yep. yeah, no, I don't really have any proper written policies for things. Yep. Yeah. I mean, one bit of advice, and it's not really to do with your clinical stuff, but it's have some terms and policies on your website about payments, about cancellations, oh, yeah. about bookings. Oh, yeah, no, I think I do, actually. I think I, I do. I think I have like cancellation policies, yeah. um, that sort of thing. Yeah, make sure but, it's out there and that patients actually know it's there. That that's the other thing. It might be there, yeah, but they might they not know it's don't. there. Yeah, yeah, they probably don't. Mm-hmm. Like COVID policy, that's all on my website. Okay. Definitely, I've forgotten about all those to be honest. Yeah, because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, you know, this this is all part of the learning curve of starting a business is sort of figuring all this out as you go. Um, yeah. Okay, so Tom's got some, um, yeah, Tom's got a nice question here. I'm not sure where Tom's from, but... Um, he's, he's from Australia. I think his surname's Posenby. Ah, okay. I might, I might have got that wrong. Sorry, Tom, but okay. I think it's Posenby. So he's asked, have you ever felt like, like I feel like I'm Dr. Phil now. Have you ever felt like uh, <laughs> like giving up? And if so, what helped keep you going other than this podcast, obviously? And a few stiff drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I think I mentioned earlier, I got to Christmas and... Yeah, I hit a brick wall without a doubt. I think I I had overwhelm mm, without yeah. a doubt. So I was really tired. Um, I was just doing too many hours of trying to do everything, um, just trying to learn everything really, really quickly, and you know, do the job, learn the job, do my other job, look after children. So, and then I think I, I had a, an experience that wasn't great with um, a lip enhancement. It wasn't really awful, but. Um, that just really knocked my confidence a little bit. And mm. I just felt like I was walking through mud and I wasn't getting anywhere. And I felt I had no one to reach out to. Um, and yeah, I definitely hit a brick wall. And what got me through it was, like I said, that my clients, patients, mm. <laughs> slash patients, um, then rebooking and, and having positive feedback. 
and just pushing through really yeah. I look back now and I did push through I think I got to the day after New Year's Day and thought what am I doing this one am I not doing it but I did nothing I didn't post anything on social media for months and didn't have a client for months and then I just had a bit of a chat with myself and said I'm, I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it and I, I made a decision to really go for it then and and I've not looked back actually since January I've not looked back and yeah it's it's been good so I think sometimes you've just got to put a positive mindset on um, which is hard sometimes, definitely. But I think, yeah, you've got to believe in yourself a little bit. Yeah. Fake it till you make it sometimes, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, one last, was well, a couple of questions here from Megan. Uh, I'm not going to m- pronounce your last name because I'm sure I might get it wrong. Uchich. Uchich. Uh, Uchich. Um, you've got a plus one number, so you're probably from the U.S. States, or I think Canada. It's yeah. a couple of questions. So she's asked about your mentors. We've we've asked about that and what we did before aesthetic, what you did before aesthetics. Um, any educational platforms that you're using other than the podcast? And do you have any plans to grow your business? and to expand out of home and to bring on other injectors or receptionists or whatever, anything yeah. in terms of growth? So educational platforms um, are just to keep doing sort of more courses, really. I, I use YouTube a little bit. Yep. Um, I use Instagram, looking at role models, the podcast, uh, reading, um, all of those things, and, then, and, and also just more courses. So my next course will be advanced dermal fillers and advanced botox so i feel like i'm ready for that next level mm-hmm. um so just keep progressing with the learning in that way um yeah i do want to grow the business without a doubt yeah i am quite ambitious and 100 i see myself having my own clinic outside of the home and and definitely it would be fantastic to have some other employees i'd perhaps go into business with someone else yep. um just looking at the pros and cons of that and I guess I've always liked working as part of a team and all my other jobs I've had a team around me which yep. I've always really enjoyed and I miss that I miss you know not having necessarily a team so I think it would be fantastic to have a team I don't know what it'll look like I think would it just be aesthetics or I quite like the idea of having other specialisms within that hub like yep. having a hub where you know you've got a dermatologist in the building as well um but other specialisms because you can't do everything and i think those things they often go hand in hand together mm. um i get yep. asked a lot of questions about skin and obviously i'm i'm out of my depth and and i think people need to go to a dermatologist to really understand skin so yeah so that i definitely do see myself growing a business yeah but i do realize it comes with more responsibility and that's I just, yeah, I think we'll just see how it goes. I'm only 11 months in. Well, definitely going to do it. The two years of, you know, not taking any profit out and then just see where it goes. Well, how about we um, we get you back in about a year's time and we check in and see how you're going? <laughs> oh, yeah. That could be fun. <laughs> see if you've given yeah. up. Yeah, it'll just be like uh, like one of those episodes of Grand Designs, you know, where the yeah. guy comes back a year later. They've been uh, living yeah. in the middle of nowhere. It's been raining and yeah. we'll see if the house has no, been. No, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll get you come back and see how your journey's been going. And, um, yeah. When we post your episode, we'll obviously put all your contact details there. So I'm sure you're going to be inundated with people offering to be your mentor, people that might be in the same position oh. as you that might want to join yeah. your own little Facebook group. So maybe we can have a, a community with that'd inside nice. a community. But thank you so much yeah, for taking the great. time. I feel like we could have keep speaking to you forever. Yeah, it's been really oh, nice that you've been, been so 
open and, and vulnerable to some yeah. extent. And thank you for just sharing, you know, your experience. It's been really helpful, you know, for us. But I'm sure the listeners in in the same position are, are sort of reassured that it's not a you know an unusual story for them. And and we all go through it. Yeah. Trust me, we do. Um, and like I said, yeah. you've got my number now. Seriously, don't don't just think I'm Aww, saying that for the podcast sake. I mean that's it. Really just reach kind. out. No problem at all. Yeah, that's really kind. Thanks for having me. That's Absolutely. all right. Thank you. All right. Well, take care and um, enjoy your week. Yeah. All right. No, thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, Thanks Natasha. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 